This episode we're going to be discussing genre comedy. That's six films that use horror or science fiction premises, but uh, instead of delivering scares or thrills, they mainly focus on laughs. So it's a little gentler episode of Rank and Review this week. Please feel free to send feedback to me, your host and random Canadian Larry Parsons at rankandreview at gmail.com. That's R-A-N-K-N-R-E-V-I-E-W find the show on Facebook, you can find the show on iTunes, and please, by all means, spread the word on the podcast, tell that other movie lover in your life that there's this Review podcast and it's out there. I hope you enjoy episode 63 of Rankin Review, genre comedy. So uh, here we go with the episode 63 Yay. of Rankin Review. <laughs> I keep on losing count myself now. That's, that's how many of them there are. And uh, our Rankin Review champion, Karen Giese. Still one and only reigning. <laughs> even when Thank somebody, you. like, like I have to think someday someone is going to be lucky and even by random fate will pick the same six as yeah. I. But your reign is going to be a really insurmountable. It's the stuff thing. of legend. <laughs> like right now, it's like fifty-nine episodes because you're episode three when you won it, right? Yeah. So, like, even <laughs> if someone takes the prize in order to like even touch your reign, I don't know. I don't Done. know. You've cooked the books very thoroughly. So that is right. <laughs> so out of girl. Um, we're back once again, and we're talking about. I guess I'm going to call this genre comedy. Yeah. Uh, they're all sort of science fiction and horror movie premises. Used to facilitate laughter. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or at least to attempt to, to facilitate, attempt to facilitate laughter. Uh, I can't remember now. It's been a while. What, what Did I inflict this on you? Did you choose this? Uh, I think this one was my fault. Okay. okay good. <laughs> I'm pretty <No>. sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh-oh. <laughs> um, you just wanted to... I don't know. I know that comedy and horror is sort of chocolate and peanut butter. Yeah. Right? They yeah. do complement each other nicely. Uh, is that why you chose it, or was there a particular movie that jumped to your attention? I think it was just seeing all of the other sci-fi selection that you had. I got really jealous of those who had done sci-fi, and I had to get my foot in. 
Well, we did we did do our science fiction episode. We were, I remember you being quite cross. I've still got a bit of scar <laughs> tissue from the whole Serenity T2. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I've somewhat forgiven you for thank that. Thank you, thank you. That's fine. And we're going to be touching on Whedon again yeah. here today. So. For um, the love of Joss. For the love of Joss. Yeah. There's a good subtitle. I guess there's not quite enough Joss. This, maybe this is a podcast that could have used a little more Joss. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> yes. Alright, well, I guess if there's nothing else that we want to say, I will introduce the movies that we're going to talk about this week. Do it. Uh, we're going to talk about Broken Lizards, Club Dread. That is correct. And we're going to talk about the big screen adaptation of one of my personal favorite books ever, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yes, The trilogy of four. Yep. <laughs> uh, we have the Will Ferrell big special effects extravaganza, Land of the Lost. We have Galaxy Quest, which is sort of amping Star Trek, not so subtly. Uh, we have the, as previously discussed, Yas Whedon, uh, yes. Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog, which some people may protest is not actually a movie, but I'm just going to say right now... It's a short. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Respectfully, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> we're going to review Dr. Horrible, okay? So here we are. And then we're going to round things out with Men in Black 3. Yep, yep. Uh, from Barry Sonnenfeld. So, uh, should be a fun bunch of movies. One, two, three, go. Go. Now they're catching the buzz. So you came here to escape civilization, and we're going to hold you to it. In this tropical paradise. Large Bronkhorst, I'm the new masseur. We swapped out a six-foot Swedish broad for this guy. I'm six one. Everyone's got to stick together. Whoa, 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 code red, bogey, bogey. Oh, dude, check out that. <laughs> What's up? Dude, don't be gay, man. If they don't want to get whacked. What is it? Too waxy? No. What? And they're either getting killed. <laughs> Are you telling me there's some totally deranged dude running around out there? Or getting lucky. Is it too much to ask? Have sex with the guests. Some of them are bad looking. There's Putman, the tennis pro. You've got your arms around me, Jenny. I can only assume this means every other man on the island is dead. Okay, so I'd like to start uh, our conversation about Club Dread by apologizing to you for making you watch Club Dread. It's one of these things, you know, when you're in like a movie sale or something, you get like five movies for five dollars or whatever, and mm -hmm. you gotta round out the list. Yes. Even when I put the, the movie in my hand, having not seen it, I did not set a high bar for Club <coughs> Dread. Uh, Broken Lizard had some success earlier on with the Super Troopers, which is a cult-loved oh. comedy film, which I will concede definitely has its moments. Yeah. This movie, not to tip my hand too early, mm -hmm. has no moments. None. No not moments. Not a single one. Like, it's a staggeringly unfunny comedy. Yes, it and, is. And that's where I have to start. Like, that's where I open the door on <laughs> yeah. this review. So, uh, I say with some degree of confidence with what, knowing what you're going to say back, <laughs> Karen Giese, Franken <laughs> Review Champion. There you go. What do you think of Club Dread? Well, uh, first and foremost, uh, I watched this movie first because I knew it was going to be horrible and I wanted to get it over with. <laughs> and I was right. <laughs> it was horrible. Um, and I will just say about this movie that everybody who dies in this movie deserves it. Yeah. <laughs> Every single person is a massive douche. And here's the thing. If they were making a statement about that, if they were winking at us saying... 
characterizations in horror movies are slender and thin, and we hate them, so yeah. we're glad that they die. If they were trying, like, a scream approach, maybe I could say, oh, well, at least they were trying something here, but they weren't doing that. They weren't. I really they get weren't. the feeling like they thought these fucking assholes they were parading in front of us yeah. were legitimately hilarious. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I also think it's long, right? I'm not... I'm sorry, I have the case right here, but... <laughs> 118 minutes. Yeah. It is punishingly long. Like, it's 117 minutes too long. It, it, but, like, it really does feel like they're a bunch of, like, comedic sketches, I say, using my air quotes. Super. Being performed at about half speed. Yeah. That even at penultimate, like, absolute best execution would be lame Saturday Night Live material. Yeah. <laughs> But, oh, not even. Not even close. <laughs> Am I undercutting Saturday yeah, Night Live no. with that? <laughs> this is like... Yeah, no, this is like some high school theater wannabes who really have no acting chops and no offense to high schoolers. <laughs> <laughs> we all start but somewhere. We all start somewhere, but these people should never act again. <laughs> Ever. <sighs> in anything. So the, the plot, I'm going to say super loosely, yep. a bunch of idiots go to a vacation island resort yep. and are killed. And there is some level of murder mystery <laughs> of like who the killer is, but we don't care who the killer is. It doesn't matter who the killer is. Mm -hmm. Our main character is a masseuse who comes to this island. He's new. He's being introduced to all right. these funny the group of characters. He's sort of our, yeah. our, our, our access point. Yeah. And... Uh, he seems like a big sort of dunderhead character, and uh, in the other movies that this comedy group has made, he's usually sort of that loud, abrasive character. Mm -hmm. Here, they're bravely sort of going the other way, and they're going to try and turn this schlubby guy into something of a romantic lead. Okay. And again, I'd love to compliment them for this, but you know, you know, he can overcome the outsider's image of him as sort of like a tubby, useless guy, and, and prove himself. And you know how he proves himself? having magical hands that can give women orgasms while That's he massages right. them. For the record, that... I have blocked out most of this movie. <laughs> I really have. But this is the juvenile level that we're dealing yeah. with. And yeah. it's it, it's not even that people find the real guy inside him and see that he's cool in spite of the fact that he's not as beautiful as everybody else on the island. Yeah. That doesn't happen. Yeah, for sure. And that's what they attempt. And in the meantime, they're having all this really ugly, like, not funny humor. Uh, one of the first people, I think the first kill, is this complete douchebag who's wandering out in the jungle and has two women waiting on him. And he's got two girlfriends who want to go out in the woods and have sex with him mm -hmm. and feed him drugs. And every word that comes out of his mouth is just disgusting. <laughs> like, you can't understand how he would have one girlfriend, no. let alone two. So, yeah, I mean, I just feel like I've vomited all over this movie. <laughs> so, but who, who is it for? I mean, I, I would aim, say maybe teenage boys, Le lobotomized teenage boys. Yeah, and yeah, sadly, I'm sure it was popular with those said teenage boys. <laughs> Lots of naked, yeah. nakedity. I'm not offended necessarily by that. And it, it, oh no, not offended by it. <laughs> but when you have to go to that in order to prove your point to make your draw. Mm. That's a sad state. And like really. the reveal of a bare buttocks or some breasts or something is almost played like a punchline. Like everybody, yeah. ha, 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 
Exactly. <laughs> Let's all play. Let's go to the grown-up pool, okay, everybody? Um, are you familiar with these broken lizard guys? Like, um, I've seen the cop movie. Yeah, the Super, Super Troopers. Troopers and Beer Fest. I haven't seen Beer Fest. And this one. Super Troopers, I liked. Yeah. Again. Quite a bit. Yeah? Yeah. I, I, I saw funny. it a long time ago, and I remember thinking that it had moments. Mm -hmm. But yeah. I'd, have to, I'd have to revisit it. But upon watching this, my desire to revisit it... Shrunk to nothing. Mm. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> it's not that. I, not I, that I hate doing reviews like this. Like, I want to try and find some sort of constructive inroad that I could yeah. tell somebody that, like, there was some way that they were going for the... The director, uh, Chadrasenko, Jay Chadrasenko, like, I've seen him do, like, stand-up, and I've seen him do sketch work, and I know that he's a funny, not-stupid person. And watching this movie, you would not imagine that it was directed by anybody but an unfunny, stupid person. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Somebody stuck in that teenage boy head. Yeah. Yeah. We're appealing to him. And again, 118 minutes. Mm -hmm. I don't know if this is like the Judd Apatow problem in Hollywood sort of bleeding into other movies, but if you're making a fun, dumb comedy, mm -hmm. I think part of making it fun and dumb is like a nicely 90 minutes, please. There you go. I don't think that this movie would be helped by taking a half an hour out of it, necessarily. Like, it would still be a terrible movie, but it would have been yeah. half an hour less. It would have been. Life. This movie, I did... You know, I'd sit for 20 minutes, and then I'd pause it, mm -hmm. and I'd go do something else for an hour, and then I'd come back, and I'd watch more. Yeah. Because I had to get it done, because Larry asked me to. Oh, sweetie. Well, uh, here's the thing. This is the second time ever that this has happened for yeah. me. That I'm, after reviewing a movie, yeah. it is coming down off of the shelf. Aww, it is I'm like, glad. It's, it's just like... As far as I'm concerned, it never happens. <laughs> like I, I like I wouldn't want somebody to come to the house and look at that shelf of movies, despite me having such terrible titles. <laughs> this is like Friday the Thirteenth, whatever. But uh, Club Dread embarrasses me. Its presence on my wall of movies shames me. I think that embarrassment is justified. And I once again apologize. <laughs> For, for, for making you watch it. I feel like I've just steamed rolled right over you. Please. <laughs> I would love to hear some of your thoughts about Cloud Trade. You basically said it all. <laughs> it is a horrible, horrible movie. Yeah. And yeah, I'm, uh, I'm glad to hear you were taking it off your shelf. Yeah. Because it is not good. There's no single redeeming quality about that movie at all. Like, every now and then you think, like, you could see how if they were handling things slightly better, it could have been interesting. Sure. Like, again, if they were commenting, off, if they were commenting on the fact that characters in, in slasher movies are paper thin. Yeah. Or they were, you know, making a point of having a main character who doesn't fit the bill of your classic leading man. You know, if they, sure. like, if, if, that, if I thought they were actually trying to do that with any energy or, or, or intelligence behind it, but... There's no depth here. There's no depth. Yeah. They have Bill Paxton in the movie, and I'm sure he's ashamed of himself. Oh, yeah. Him. And he's, like, playing a riff on the Jimmy Buffett character, a yeah. guy who writes, like, cheesy Margaritaville or Cheeseburger in Paradise songs there you go. 40 years ago, and <laughs> somehow has the master fortune about it. Massive and fortune. that would be a character that you would think would be ripe for parody, because apparently yeah. Jimmy Buffett is, like, this completely sleazy businessman, <laughs> despite his beach-loving image, you There you know? go. Yeah. The thing is, there should, there's potential. There's potential yeah. here. And like I said, horror and comedy complement each other. So it does. what happened? There's no excuse for this movie. <laughs> there's just not. Right. I don't know what to say about it. There's no excuse. So should we just stop then? Done.
of Earth. I regret to inform you that in order to make way for the new hyperspace express route, your planet has been scheduled for demolition. Have a nice day. Hang on, we're hitching a ride. From the celebrated best-selling novel, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. What is this thing? It's the guide. It's got everything you need to know to survive in the universe. Losing your planet... <laughs> ...isn't the end of the world. Hey, man! What the hell you doing here? Arthur, this is Aphod Bibblebrox, president of the galaxy. He shares three of the same mothers as me. It's the beginning of an adventure. Unlike anything on Earth. I've been stranded on a strange planet for a number of years. I have been avoiding you. I... You look great. You're doing well. So I think I said in the introduction that one of my favorite books is The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I remember yeah. listening to some of the BBC radio plays with my grandfather mm. a long time ago. And, uh, I think, yeah. And, uh, reading and liking the book and being really charmed by the voice which is obviously provided by douglas adams and he'd wanted to see sort of a big screen adaptation of this for a while in fact he contributed greatly to this screenplay for this movie nice but unfortunately died of a heart attack before he could see it uh-huh. which sad. is which is indeed very sad uh-huh. the other great thing exciting thing about this movie i mean it's got a really cool cast it's got the uh Jim Henson's Creature Workshop, doing the aliens and sort of yeah. helping to create this world. Yeah. They did the smart thing and got a British cast and a British director because the voice and the sort of vibe of the book is so very British. And they were remarkably faithful, as they could reasonably be, I think, to the book. So why is it that I'm not more excited about this Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? I am glad to hear you say that. I, uh, I mean, I wasn't bored. It's no Club Dread. No, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, it's not a horrible movie. It's just, I wasn't very, I thought that I would be more excited about this movie given the hype of the book, which I have not read. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people really loved this movie when I remember when it came out, people talking about it and I, I just didn't see it for whatever reason, but it wasn't. It, it didn't live up to the hype. It's got a clever, whimsical vibe. Yes, very uh, much. Cole's notes will just sort of start into the plot, because it is very episodic. It's like a series of inexplicable events in a lot of ways. Yeah. But our main character, Arthur Dent, uh, is warned by his friend that the world's about to end. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, in a weird sort of thing that mirrors what's happening with the civilization, his house, Arthur's home is being torn down to a lot for a freeway, and we find out that a much similar thing's happening on an intergalactic level. The planet Earth is being destroyed to make room for an interactive galactic thoroughfare of some yes. kind. And he is rescued. He's one of the few human beings left in the galaxy. And this would seem to be this huge, incredibly sad, somber way to start the, the adventure. But it's very light in tone, in spite mm-hmm. of all this. Yeah, they seem to take it very well. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah, through uh, his this 
friend, he is introduced to the alien races, he's introduced to the president of the galaxy, he's mm -hmm. introduced to a depressed robot and the ludicrous machine and the, you know, the fish that you stick in your ears so that you can hear every language. Yeah. The whole world is rich and wonderful. Yeah. But it's just better in the book. He's a... Uh... I don't know if it was the way that the screenplay was written or the way he just chose to act it or was directed, but he was kind of somber in a way throughout the whole thing. Like like you said, he's seeing all of these amazing wonders and he's just kind of really even yes. about the whole thing. Yes, well, it's sort of that sort of polite, reserved British sort of, yes, yes, come, come, chim, sure. chim, chiri and all that. <laughs> sure. <coughs> and plus it also has um, Zoe Deschanel in it. Yes. Who I don't actually care for at all. I don't think, uh, I think she basically plays herself in every single movie and doesn't really act. And, uh, yeah. She is probably the most, uh, Manic Pixie Dream Girl sort of figurehead. If there was, yes. like, a poster girl for Manic Pixie Dream Girl, it would be Zoe Deschanel. Yes. I, I think that she can be used effectively, but I think she's a supporting player. I think that the more she takes center stage, all due respect, like, mm. uh... It, it, it kind of takes away something from me. Um, it does. I love me some Sam Rockwell. I've always yes. loved Sam Rockwell. Everybody was hating chap. on this new uh, Poltergeist movie. Sam Rockwell got me through it. Like, yeah. uh, I, I, I love the man, and I love the character that he's playing. Yeah. In the book, he's got many heads and many arms, and they kind of concede that a little bit in, in the story here. He does have a gigantic ego. Yeah. So, well, and, and again, it's sort of the driver to humor. In order to run the galaxy, you, you can't be 100% sane. No. You can't have all of your brain. It's part of the rules. If yeah. you're running things, you can't have a head on your shoulders. It's mm -hmm. just, just part of the ludicrousness of the, of the galaxy. Yeah. Again, there's all this really charming stuff. And uh, it is interesting. It's not a boring watch. No, but it's not. It's not an edge-of-your-seat ride either. It's almost like uh, you get into one of those... Rides in a, in, a, in a county fair that sort of yeah. takes you past a bunch of exhibitions, but never goes particularly fast or slow. <laughs> yeah, it would be one that if you you fell asleep like partway through it, yeah. wouldn't necessarily pick it back up, but you might. <laughs> you know. Um, I don't know who Martin Freeman's uh, agent is, but I want him. Yeah. <laughs> because. Well, I mean, he got to he got to center the the Hobbit movies, right? Right. He got to be the lead of this Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which was yeah. a plum role. Decided what he he headlined this amazing adaptation, and I know you're not a Fargo fan, but mm -hmm. of this Fargo TV show, he starred in the first season. Oh. This British guy played this Midwesterner perfectly. Nice. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> and Sherlock. And Sherlock. I which almost missed Sherlock, show. which is a fantastic. Yeah. Show. So this is what I'm saying. Martin Freeman, I don't know what, what sign you were born under, but uh, <laughs> well played. And the depressed little robot. Yes, Marvin. Marvin. He's kind of endearing, but after the first, like, you know, after the first little while, you're just kind of like, maybe just go sit in a corner or something and just shush. Shush. Shush, shush. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Warwick Davis and um, Alan Rickman, the voice. Ford Prefect, uh, uh, a sort of Han Solo-ish figure who introduces us to the world and, and introduces us indeed to the book, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Uh, very much cast against types, a sort of one, one person in this movie who doesn't fit the dry British mold. And in a way, I thought it was kind of a nice and a refreshing choice, so I, I wanted to mention that, and that's why I spent the whole time trying to find his name. Um, 
Interesting thing about the book itself, I remember as a kid being really impressed by this idea of this book which has the accumulated knowledge of all the universes that's constantly updating. Right, yeah. But it's a laptop. Yeah. Now, today, now, in 2015, today. The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is a laptop which everybody has. There you go. It's kind of fascinating, because at the time when it was written and they came up with this, this was progressive science fiction, this idea of this one book that was every book. Yeah. And had all of the information. Yeah, it's kind and, of cool. And now <laughs> here we are where everybody has the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy in their it's back true. pocket. Yeah. Yeah. Left, right, and center. Interesting things. The ludicrous machine, or, or the whole charming thing about the dolphins uh, leaving Earth early, because they're the second most intelligent animal on Earth. And then we're lead to assume that, that the humans were the first, but yes. alas, it is not the case. Those dolphins, man. I like John Malkovich playing an, a batshit crazy alien. I like the design and the puppety craziness of yeah. the aliens themselves. Yes. But I don't emotionally connect. No. And it's not because they're British. I it's love not the British a whole humor, lot no. of British stuff. Like, like I say, it's so authentic to the book. Like yeah. the man adapted it himself. Yeah. You know, and I, I mean, it would have been a, a great weight on the shoulders of everyone doing it. And I feel a lot of love. Sure. Yeah. I just want to like the movie more than I do. Yeah. I really like it's. It's not terrible, and I feel like I might be overstating the derision of it. Right. I think that like it's an interesting world, and people who like science fiction will, will, will. You know, there's definitely a worse way to spend two hours of your life. There is. But I'm talking about potential. And you know, there's the first off the flaw of me having read the book beforehand. That's obviously going to hurt the movie going in. That hurts basically every movie. Yeah. If you read the book. And you love it. The book's always going to be more, and the movie that you created always. in your head is always going to be richer than the movie you presented always, with. Always, yeah. So I will go in saying that that was working against me. Yeah. But I went in, I, I don't have your problem, Zoe Dish. And I mean, I think she's yeah. fine. She's like, I, I, don't, I don't feel strongly either way about her. But yeah. Like, there's, there's Zoe Dash now, right? Yeah. I love Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell's like, great. He's my buddy. As far as I'm concerned, we haven't met, but I like to think he's that we could... He's a giant weird ball. Yeah. Really? I'd like to think that we could, yeah. we could, we could share a beer and we would, we'd get Peace. along. And uh, like I said, everything about the movie is in my wheelhouse. Yeah. So like, I, I genuinely want to know. Like, I wish I could put my finger on it. Mm -hmm. I wish I could say that I didn't like the Vogons. I didn't like how they were handled and it just it spoiled the meal for me. But that's not it. Or I'd like to say that they violated the intent or the tone of the book. But I can't I say they did that. Story-wise, visually, you know, this movie does have a lot going for it. And I, and I get what you mean. And I can't quite pin what it is that doesn't allow the connection. Mm -hmm. But I agree. There was no emotional connection with this. This would probably be, you know, a really good I'm super hungover <laughs> type of movie. And I keep on thinking it'll be one of those things that it will grow on me. Because this was the yeah. third pass on it. Like, really? I saw it in the theater, mm -hmm. and then I got it cheap, and I watched it again, and then I watched it again for this. And yeah. uh, it just made me want to read the book again. Yeah. Maybe I, I'll read the book. Yeah, I'll lend you the books if you want. Yeah, They're okay. wonderful. Uh, and brilliantly rendered. There's the whole ludicrous machine where, where they, you know, the random acts take place mm -hmm. and we see a whale materializing yeah. and falling to his death and we hear the inner narration of his thought process. Yep. Yeah. That is a page just torn right out of the book. Uh, and that's, that's just cool. one page of the book. Yeah. 
So, if anything else, I'm not going to say don't watch this film version of Hitchhiker's no. Guide to the Galaxy. Maybe but just wait till you're hungover. I will say definitely read Hitchhiker's Guide mm-hmm. to the Galaxy. And uh, if you want to see a take on it, this is it. As someone can, like, maybe it could be perfected someday. Maybe someone needs to take another swing. But i got to think if Douglas Adams can't crack the code on the screenplay, <laughs> In, who it's, is? It's an exceedingly hard thing to capture the essence of a book, though. Mm-hmm. Exceedingly hard. I can't really think of a single book to movie of, of a book that I've loved that has done it success- successfully, except for maybe one where they got the main character exactly how I pictured him. Very rarely Very will, rare. will a movie uh, exceed the novel or, or equal it. Yeah. And uh, usually... If I've read the book, I do find myself, even if I have my critic hat on, like I often do when I'm doing it for the podcast, mm-hmm. If even if I'm not doing it for a podcast, if I've read the book, I'm like, what did they change and why? Yeah. And do I agree with said changes? Yeah. Like, sometimes you make changes to, to clarify a through line for the movie, or because a movie has to be shrunk into a certain box of two hours, yeah. certain things have to go. And sometimes that streamlines sure. your story and helps you, and sometimes that spoils the meal because that little ingredient... Yeah. I concede it's not an easy thing to do. I have smiles and handshakes for everybody who was involved in making this movie. Sure. But it's just it, okay. The like mass popularity of that book, that was a hell of a lot to live up to. I agree. Yeah. A hell of a lot. Yeah. But yeah. Enough said? Enough said. Uh, we're, we're, we're grumpy today, aren't we? My grumpy. goodness. Ladies and gentlemen, I give to you the Tachyon Amplifier. An invention so groundbreaking, there's no telling what we may discover with it. A distant past, a far future, an entirely new dimension. All right, so, any questions? Oh, great. Uh, Is it true if you cough and sneeze and burp all at the same time while holding your eyes open, you'll explode? Why are your legs so scared? My dad's car costs more than your whole life. Do you even own a home? How come you were crying in the bathroom before this presentation? Get out. Everybody out. Go play in the parking lot. Al Gore says this theory of yours, time warps. It's nonsense. Al Gore is just a glory hound running his mouth. He won, yep, yep, he yep, won yep, yep. the Nobel Prize. You finished the time machine. All right, Holly. We'll start with taking some seismic readings inside the mouth of the cave. Something's happening. It's beautiful. Yes! Matt Lauer can suck it! Um, okay, so we're going to talk about this movie, The Land of the Lost. Yep. <laughs> Here's some things that I'm going to say before we get started, okay? Okay. Unlike the movie we just talked about, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, I have absolutely no frame of reference to the source material of this. No. I have a vague memory of a show called Land of the Lost existing when which I was, was a kid. totally different. Which was very different. And I had, loved that show as a kid. Yeah? I, yeah. Mean, I mean, I think it had like stop motion animation maybe in it or something. I, I, I have the vaguest memory. I'm not deeply connected to it. And I also have a kind of guilty pleasure response to Will Ferrell and to a lesser extent, Danny McBride. Yes. So here we have this movie, Land of the Lost, which is wall-to-wall stupidity, unabashedly so. Yes. Starring Will Ferrell yeah. with a supporting role uh, from the guy I just met, <laughs> Danny <laughs> McBride. Danny I'm not going to sit here and say that Land of the Lost 
is a good movie. Yeah. Or an intelligent movie. Yes. But I am going to sit here and say that I laughed out loud several times while I watched it. Okay. And it is a comedy. Yes. I liked it, but I hated myself for liking it. <laughs> I woke okay. up next to it in the morning, and I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I, I, Quietly I s- leave the room. <laughs> yes. so, sorry, Where yeah. are my pets? <laughs> it's really strange. It's like, the thing about these guilty pleasure movies is that, like, I know that somebody could sit next to me while I was watching this movie and see me giggling at... Will Ferrell getting a gigantic mosquito bite or pouring dinosaur urine all over himself to prove his scientific theory. And me giggling and tittering like a child and this other person just staring stone-faced at the television, occasionally delivering me a disdainful glance. (laughs) So I understand that this movie is not for everyone. And I understand that if you do hold the original TV show in any kind of regard, that this does nothing but take the premise that there are other dimensions and these lizard creatures whose names yeah. currently escape me. Clap? Clopek? I have no idea. I just watched it last night, too. Well, that doesn't speak well to, 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 to how you feel about it. Doesn't. it. Uh, Slee Stacks. Slee Stacks. Not there even it close. was. Um, these crazy lizard creatures in design. Um, yeah. Will Ferrell plays a scientist, so right there we're already in pretty great (laughs) careers. And he studies fringe sciences, and his career is torpedoed by a sort of combination of his own arrogance. And And Matt Lauer. And Matt Lauer. (laughs) And just the basic lack of credibility that his theories seem to hold within any scientifically or otherwise. And we fast forward, we find him washed up, and... An inexplicably attractive British student shows up who just worships him, thinks that his theories are amazing, mm-hmm. he inspired her to think outside of the box, and with her encouragement, he develops a machine that does indeed open a portal to another dimension. It does and indeed. he and this lovely lady and Daniel McBride yes. go to explore mm-hmm. the land of the lost. K2, I feel like we're disagreeing, <laughs> but uh, what did you think of Land of the Lost? <laughs> I would be the one on the couch beside you, <laughs> casting you the disdainful looks. Uh, okay. Um, and I don't know, it's um, like a lot of, pretty much every Will Ferrell movie, I haven't enjoyed. Mm-hmm. It's just not my my type of humor. I like really wry, smart comedy. <laughs> I don't and this think was you can not, call this smart comedy. No, not quite. Um, and yeah, I mean, there were... Uh, this was the second time that I watched it. I watched it quite a while ago mm-hmm. and hated it. <laughs> Absolutely hated it. Uh, but then when I watched it last night, you know, I had a certain appreciation for aspects of the movie. Like some of the stuff that they did with pulling in all these different parts of the earth from various times. I thought it was kind of neat. And yeah, the... Some of the, like the actual dinosaurs, not the lizard folk, because right. they were ridiculous. <laughs> they were like Muppets. Yeah. So, um... But I think that maybe deliberately so, again, I'm not super familiar with the TV show, but uh, my vague memory is that the special effects were very, very cheesy, right? Oh, but given the time. Given the time. And this is now. Yeah. So, you know, they could have improved on that somewhat. Um, but yeah, like I said, this is not my type of comedy. Um... 
I think there was once where I strongly breathed some air out of my nose (laughs) in an attempted chuckle. (laughs) Didn't quite make it to full chucklehood, but it was almost there. Here's the thing about Will Ferrell for me, because actually for a while I was kind of in your camp. Mm-hmm. He, he had some pretty classic moments on, on Saturday Night Live. Which I never really watched. Uh, so. Like the classic yeah. cowbell sketch that people talk about the, with Christopher Walken and things like this. And I, I got that he, you know, he could do the straight man thing, but he can also just go completely out there. I think mm-hmm. what Will Ferrell's trick is, is his ability to do things that are completely ludicrous and like stupid but keep keep some level of dignity on his face (laughs) he actually does i will give him that yeah like it's the like the whole ron burgundy thing like uh he just see it well but like his character it's set in the 70s he's a blowhard male who's just like complete ego complete id yeah and he says unbelievably ignorant things but he says them so confidently, <laughs> yeah. you know? And it's just weird. I, I mentioned it briefly. Every I think about this every night. If I'm having a bad day, I think about this. But uh, he has this battle of wills going on with this Tyrannosaurus Rex. Yes. Because he had accused them for having a, an incredibly small brain and being stupid creatures. The size of a walnut. <laughs> yes. And it turns yeah. out that the T-Rex is super intelligent and, yes. <laughs> and yeah. arguably smarter than Will Ferrell. Uh, but, yeah... He has this scene where he's trying to convince them that they need to, to move and they have to cover their odor. And in order oh, to do this, yeah. you have to soak yourself with dinosaur urine to mm-hmm. make you unattractive. Mm-hmm. Uh, to the, spoil the scent or whatever. <laughs> and it's just this scene where he just he keeps on pouring more urine on himself, yes. even swishing it in his mouth. Yes. And stinging his eyes. He's just oh, you know, maybe I'll pour a little more to rinse it out. And then he pours more... <laughs> It's so colossally stupid. It like, is, yes. I am ashamed of myself for laughing, but every goddamn time <laughs> that scene just starts to kill me. I for a long time again I didn't I wasn't really good. The first time I, I saw the Ron Burgundy the mm-hmm. movie, I was like, I'm not quite sure I understand what all the fuss is about, you guys. Right. But uh, at some point the worm turned for me in Will Ferrell and I just all of a sudden I was on board. Okay. Danny McBride is a different thing altogether. Danny McBride sort of... He's almost a Larry the Cable Guy figure, and I despise Larry the Cable Guy, but he sort of does the same kind of redneck thing. Very rednecky. But he also has this, like, confidence and commitment. Like, he, he commits to the bit, and somehow you like yeah. Danny McBride. No matter what filthy thing comes out of his mouth, you're kind of like, ah, dude. <laughs> I think that's kind of like the... Well, Will Ferrell, supposed to be a scientist, mm-hmm. supposed to be smart and intelligent. Yeah. Speaking as a scientist. <laughs> Do that hurt your feelings We get a paid bit? to be smart. <laughs> it, it did hurt my feelings a little bit. Um, but then, <clears throat> excuse me, Danny McBride, you know, you kind of, you expect him to have this certain level of lowered intelligence, and mm-hmm. so you have lowered expectations of his character, and he did it. Yeah. Yeah, he successfully captured the lowered expectations, which is why I liked Danny McBride better as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't think we're going to agree, but the running theme of show tunes being 
sort of interlaced through the plot. For some reason, the con- the contraption that he invented to open up the time right. door also had yeah. a bunch of leftover music on it. Yes, so whenever it, it clicks on, we hear random bits of show tunes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the little monkey kid that they have made friends with Ooh. in the in that uh, suddenly knows how to sing show tunes as well. At sing some show tunes and yes, the uh, she and I can't remember her name. Uh, she was in Pushing Daisies. Ellie? Annie Fre- Anna Friel. Anna Friel. F-R-I-E-L. I'm sorry if I got that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that's right. I think she has the most difficult and thankless role in this movie because... She does. Her character's not overly funny, except no. for the fact that for some reason she thinks that Will Ferrell is a genius. That sort of suggests yes. some kind of dissociative <laughs> disorder. <laughs> a little which bit. Which is kind of amusing. A little bit, yes. But also, this little monkey creature that they sort of befriend... Uh, is constantly basically humping her leg. Uh-huh. It's kind of like an ugly underthread to the uh, to the plot. Yeah. But I mean, it's juvenile humor, and in my mind, done right. I think what to me, what Land of the Lost is do has done here is what Club Dread wanted to do and failed. Is <laughs> make. Do a you really st- think Club Dread wanted to do that? Do you? I think, think they wanted to make a stupid, funny movie. Oh, really? And this is a stupid, funny movie. That is a stupid, funny movie. Uh, like, is Land it a good lost. movie? I'm talking about Land of the Lost yeah. here. But, uh, is it a good movie? Well, we can debate that. Uh, there's a, another one in a similar canon to this to me, uh, Hot Rod, which is a bunch of Saturday Night yeah. Live alumni, and, like, it's very sketch-oriented. Mm-hmm. As a movie, it doesn't really work. No. But I laugh every time <laughs> I watch it. That's funny. And I just can't, like... <laughs> Sometimes you need that, though. Mm-hmm. I think the... Importance of entertainment is just undervalued sometimes. Yeah. Like, not every movie necessarily needs to be important or yeah. about something or necessarily even make me think. In fact, there are days I get home from work and want to put my feet up and, like, let's just put on something that I don't have to think at all. Yes. And, I mean, I don't know, for my money, this will work. Uh, I'm not enthusiastic about it. I make my I, I'm defending it, so I might sound a little bit more like I'm pushing this movie like it's brilliant. Yes, it's not brilliant. It's not close to brilliant. It's fun. It's stupid. It's 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 a happy meal. It's a McDonald's lunch that you eat and forget about. It is. It is. Yeah, I don't really have. I don't really necessarily think that it's a bad movie. I don't think that it's a stellar movie. Would but you didn't I laugh? If it's a comedy and you didn't laugh, I would say it I failed. breathed out of my nostrils, though, so that was almost. <laughs> Do you usually not? <laughs> not with that much force. Okay. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Well, who knows? Try it again on a different day. Maybe if it hits you on the right day. Right? Maybe third time's the charm. For years... Never give up. Never surrender. The cast of Galaxy Quest have played the same parts. Never give up. Never surrender. By Dark's hammer. By the Sons of Warband. I shall avenge you. I will say that stupid line one more time. Their careers were bravely going by Grabthar's hammer. Nowhere. What a savings. Until their biggest fans. I must say that standing here in your presence Requested a command performance. Hey, where's my limo? We have studied every facet of your missions and strategies. We are actors, not astronauts. You will save us. 
That was a hell of a thing. Galaxy Quest. Galaxy uh, Quest. Word on the street is that this uh, sort of spoof of Star Trek movie is going to be turned into a TV series. They're going to do a TV series of what? Galaxy Quest. It's one of these services like Amazon or Netflix. I'm not sure which one. Okay. But they're going to do it. I don't think they're bringing this cast back. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to like sort of restart it. But yeah. Basically, what you have here is uh, a cast of a show that is very much like Star Trek, who do the convention circuits yes. in the autumn of their career, yeah. very much like the cast of the original Star Trek, yeah. who get mixed up with real aliens who have yeah. caught broadcasts of this classic 60s TV show and took it as absolutely legitimate. Historical documents. Absolutely. Yeah. And so the uh, cast of this TV show <laughs> is warped into space where they are put into legitimate peril in a very, again, Star Trek-like adventure. <laughs> Uh, the whole movie is built around Tim Allen, mm-hmm. who I despise. Ah. I gotta say, like, I'm just not a Tim Allen fan. I All always right. hated Tim the Toolman Taylor. I didn't think he was a particularly funny stand-up. Okay. I just didn't, never understood the appeal. Yeah. Um, he's done a few sort of straight acting roles, and he did a Mammoth movie, Red Belt, we had a supporting role where it was like, you know, it was Tim Allen not being funny, but he was still just somehow Tim Allen. Okay. I don't know. He's yeah. just that guy. But I have to say, as a cast, as a casting, sort of like as a mirror image yeah. of the Shat, yeah. this Bill Shatner, <laughs> yeah. it's kind of genius casting. And totally. they absolutely surrounded him to the left and right yeah. with brilliant people absolutely who I adore. Brilliant. Yeah. You, you lucky girl, have not one but two movies that contain Sam Rockwell right. this week. <laughs> and uh, Sigourney Weaver... Yep. who I just adore, yep. Alan Rickman, doing Alan Rickman. his dry Alan Rickman delivery, killing it, Tony Shalhoub, every time, <laughs> just yep. killing it, and I want to give special mention to our Canadian actor, uh, Enrico Calantoni, he, uh, he's most famous for playing uh, the dad in... Uh, yeah. Veronica Mars. Veronica Mars, yeah. He plays the leader of the aliens that, that sort of recruit the team, Mathisar. Yeah. And his performance and characterization, I mean, it's, it's, it's through the entire species of aliens, but it's yeah. most best characterized by him. Yeah. Is so spot on, so hilarious, and such a genius comedic performance. And you could easily get lost in the shuffle with all of these big heavyweights, but... Big shout out for our Canadian content there. Absolutely. Basically, what I'm saying is, like, I was greatly surprised by how much I liked Galaxy Quest. (laughs) And how much I kind of liked Tim Allen in it. As, again, a a sort of mirror image of Bill Shatner. Yeah. I think this movie works way more than it almost should have. (laughs) Uh, But uh, I am completely charmed by it. Yeah. I have a dumb smile on my face from the beginning (laughs) to the end. Yeah. And that's kind of what you want. So yeah. my review on Galaxy Quest is going to be positive. But unlike The Land of the Lost, it's not even a guilty positive. No. I think this is a movie that if you like Star Trek a little bit, you'll mm-hmm. think is awesome. But even if you don't, yeah. there's there's rich things to mind. So that's exactly. where I land on Galaxy Quest. But I, I, I want to hear what <laughs> Karen thinks about it. <laughs> I am very much in the same boat. I love this movie. I've seen it numerous times and it makes me actually laugh out loud every single time, which is rare for a comedy to actually do that. And because it's not overly intelligent, but it's not stupid either. And it's, I don't know, sometimes punny. And 
I don't know. I really liked it. I liked, and I agree about Tim Allen. Meh, take him or leave him. But in this, as the egotistical frontman, yeah, he's perfect. Yeah, he's absolutely perfect. And yeah, the supporting cast, everybody that you just named, yeah, brilliant. There's not perfect a weak cast. note around him. No. I think that like if you're gonna if you're gonna center the movie on. On Tim Allen. I feel like I'm being really mean to him, <laughs> but definitely give him good wingmen. Yeah. This is the classic sort of sitcom theory, actually. You yeah. take a pop popular comedian and you put him in a sitcom. Comedians are good at being funny, but they're not necessarily actors. Yes. So surround this comedian with good actors. With really freaking amazing actors. Hence shows like Roseanne and yeah. shows like Seinfeld and things like that. Roseanne, yeah. not an actress. Seinfeld, not an actor. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. anyway, uh, this is as close to, like, if they could turn this into a franchise, Tim Allen really could have gone somewhere. And I'm sort of shocked that they didn't in yeah. a lot of ways, because yeah. there's nothing about this that didn't work. No. In a way, this is the sci-fi screen. This is sort of the self-aware sci-fi movie mm -hmm. that winks at the sci-fi genre while being a pretty fun science fiction adventure itself. Very fun. That's the same thing that Scream did. It winks at the horror genre while being an effective horror movie. Mm -hmm. So yeah. you have your cake and eat it too. And I think that it's not easily accomplished. It's really not. I mean, you know, look at the other three movies that we just reviewed. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but this one, this is great. And there's moment after moment after moment of just funny and visuals and acting and you name it this this movie i love this movie yeah. i really think it's hilarious even lower end supporting roles too like the sort of apex trekkie is played by yeah. justin long yeah uh the guy giving the speech at the star trek convention is kevin mcdonald from the kids in the hall yeah you know yeah. like somebody poured some love into the casting here Absolutely. and did their due diligence yeah and we're not even mentioning like how funny specific beats of this thing is. I, everybody deals with the stress of being sucked into space differently, but my personal <laughs> favorite reaction has to go to Tony Shalhoub, oh. <laughs> who not perpetually underreacts to yeah. every single thing that yeah. happens, and as a result, steals pretty much every scene that every he's in. Every scene. Yeah, he makes stoicism funny. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not easy to do, to just stand there quietly and be hilarious. <laughs> so, like, bravo. I love Sam Rockwell as sort of the character who kind of realizes that he's in a movie on yes. some level. And realizes yeah. that I'm the red shirt. Yes. I'm the comic relief. There's no fucking way I'm going to live through no this hope. movie. And he has a legitimate panic yeah. attack over it, which is just hilarious. It's hilarious, yeah. Yeah, no, everything about it, I... I, and I mean the aliens themselves, and I can't remember their names. The yeah, right now, but um, but yeah, the the aliens are brilliant. They're they're really not like any other yeah. alien species that we've encountered in any movies. They, uh, in order to recruit the cast, have made themselves to look human. Yes, and are doing their best with the human language, but it always seems like they're sucking in air as they speak. I'm here to talk to you about... It's yeah. just like, they're really odd. <laughs> and it's great. When he first meets them, he just thinks they're a bunch of Trekkie nerds in yeah. full costume, and he's super condescending and tap tapping them on the head. As per the character. As per the character. Yeah. Uh, I think that for people who are super Trekkies, and I'm not... I like Star Trek, but I'm yeah. not... I don't think I could... I don't, I don't have the badge, I'm not a Trekkie, I don't know all the ins and outs of it, but I, I knew enough to get what they were going for, and yeah. the fact that 
he's this arrogant actor figure who kind of in a lot of ways eclipsed the cast the the, the kids will get autographed from everybody but yeah. they're there to see Tim Allen they right are. yeah and this is sort of brewed some contempt within the cast Little and uh, they basically become a, a group again. They sort of become a legitimate crew through the adventure. Yes. And is that ham-fisted in Hollywood and obvious? Sure. Sure. Mm-hmm. But it's also completely lovely. <laughs> but it works better in this than it does in a lot of other things, I thought. Just because of just because of his arrogance. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, the sheer contempt and the overt contempt that the rest of the cast has for him. Even though he doesn't really realize it. Yeah. But... It's all about teamwork. Yeah. but And he's playing the role that was sort of delegated as that sort of alpha male in the sci-fi universe. Mm-hmm. He's going to have to tangle with the aliens with his shirt off, and he's going to have to, you Barry know, bark orders <laughs> and, and, you know. Yeah. Uh, they also sort of poke fun at the limited role given to female characters yes, in science which fiction. Which was brilliant. Uh, yes. And again, the fact that they got Sigourney Weaver. Brilliant Seriously. choice because yeah. she's like the queen of kick-ass sci-fi action, you betcha. and her role here is to largely just repeat what the computer tells her <laughs> to yes. the captain. Yeah, <laughs> it's like <laughs> playing a game of telephone yes. <laughs> basically with the computer, yes. and that's the role she played on the show. That's the role that she signed autographs for. That's the role yeah. that they designed in the ship for her to do. Yeah, <laughs> and she gets really defensive about it. <laughs> really defensive, and at the same time, like. Come on, I'm I'm capable of so much more, and this is what you have me doing? Yeah. Are you kidding? Yeah, that kind of thing. And this has got to be at least what fifteen years or so after oh, yeah. Aliens, and oh, yeah. she's still so fucking awesome, so <laughs> super lovely. hot, super cool, yeah. super everything. I very, love me some Sigourney Weaver. Yeah, absolutely. No, they did very very well with the entire cast. So here, I'll submit a challenge to you then. Karen. Challenge accepted. <laughs> Say something negative about Galaxy Quest. Something negative about Galaxy Quest. I don't know. It ended. It ended. Um, okay. It's not really negative, I guess. Mm-hmm. But maybe the reason that this did so well, though, is because they didn't franchise it. Mm-hmm. Because they didn't play it and play it and play it. We were not subjected to diminishing returns. Exactly. They did not do a Star Trek V version of Galaxy Quest. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, yeah. maybe, yeah, you may be right. Maybe too much of a good thing would be hurt that Too much good of thing. a good thing. So yeah. who knows with the sort of TV yeah. thing. I get it. I get yeah. it. The only thing that I think could have maybe improved it, and this is all speculative fan fiction, but if they'd actually had the okay of the Star Trek universe <laughs> so that they could oh. have like implicitly gone there. But uh, I don't know. It's sort of a safe separation that they use here. We all it know is. We all know what playing field we're in. Oh, no yeah. one's going to confuse this with Star Wars. No. This is Star Trek. Yeah. Yeah, not even a little confusion. And I like that it pokes holes in all the problems that they have with the genre while still having fun with it. Yeah. I like that the alien is big and puppety and, you know, the classic Star Trek alien who's completely humanoid. Two arms, two legs, two eyes. He just has weird bumps and weird skin. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. So he's an alien. (laughs) Yeah, no, this one was definitely an alien. And they they made him in such a way that he just oozes contempt. Yeah, he's bad. He's bad. He's wearing the black hat, very obviously. Yes. And I think it's an accomplishment of the movie that as we get to the apex point of the adventure, 
some legitimate stakes show up. <laughs> There's a sequence where we are momentarily led to believe that our cast has been killed off. Yes. <laughs> and it's kind yes. of jarring in this like PG adventure <laughs> to see all these bodies hit the ground. But of course, it is all made well. <laughs> it is all made well. Yeah, and the the little teeny tiny aliens on the rock planet. Oh, right, the rock eaters or whatever they're, they're called. They're so freaking adorable and then so terrifying. Yeah. They are amazing little creatures. That speaks to unfulfilled potential, and I will wag my finger at both Star Trek and Star Wars for this. Uh, in your playing field, where you have galaxies to explore, mm -hmm. you know, presumably hundreds, an infinite amount of planets with infinite amount of life on yeah. it. In the Star Trek universe, we always seem to be dealing with Vulcans or Klingons, you know. Yeah. In Star Wars, we're always going to Tatooine or, or, or to Dagobah or to the, like, one of the same three planets that we've actually seen and been to before. Exactly, yeah. Um, I haven't seen those little rock monsters before. No. And that was cool. Yeah, you know? that was very cool. So. We yeah. did, I think, see the big rock monster, though, did we not? Yeah, I think I've seen a version of that. I couldn't... Uh, yeah. Well, oh, Hellboy and did a sort of rock demon like that. And they did. And Lord of the Rings. Yeah. The rock giants. The rock giants. But just generally speaking, it's such a big world. Like, yeah. you, you believe that you could make a TV show out of it. Like, oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I would totally watch that. Yeah. I would absolutely watch that. It, it, it might take me a little bit to get used to not this cast, mm -hmm. but I will give it a fair shake. And I hope that I love it because I really, really loved Galaxy Quest the movie. Enough said, girl. Done. For every day, there is a night. For every world, there is an underworld. And for every hero, there's this guy. Ah! Oh, ah! That's, you know, coming along. So in 2007, there was a writer's strike in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was a lot of fallout to it. TV shows had uh, big chunks of the seasons taken a bite out of. Yeah. Lost got really hurt by that writer's strike. Right. There was a great uh, Bruce McCullough sitcom that got cancelled as a result called Carpoolers. Bad fallout. Remember, there's no writers. It's kind of hard to do scripted television. Yes, it is. In the midst of all of this, though, uh, Yas Whedon and his brothers got together and decided to work independently off the grid. Mm. And uh, they came up with this web series. I believe when it originally aired, you could watch them about eight minutes at a time. Yeah. But even in this DVD release, strung together, it's less than an hour. Mm-hmm. It's called Dr. Horrible's Sing-Along Blog. It stars Neil Patrick Harris... Felicia Day, and my boyfriend, Nathan Dillian. <laughs> Your boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, he grew up in my hometown of Edmonton. Uh, we shopped at the same comic book store. Nice. He headlined Serenity, sort of like Sam Rockwell. He doesn't know me, but I like to feel like if we bumped into each other and drank a beer, he'd be like, you know what, Larry, you're a bit of all right. That's right. 
Perfect. But that said, it's out of the rule, never meet your heroes. Wouldn't yeah. it suck to, like, meet Nathan Fillion and find out he was the hugest cocksword? <laughs> like, it would just be, like, so disappointing. Like, really? Yes. Captain Mao? Really? <laughs> Some dreams are best kept yes, as dreams. Exactly. That's right. Um, speaking of things we love, I, I don't think it's a secret that you love some Yas Whedon. Love him. <laughs> have you caught love. up with the Avengers yet? When we last talked about Yas Whedon, you said you haven't watched No, I haven't. But I just finished last night um, watching the Buffy series again. Yes. <laughs> this is like my 11th time watching the whole series, and now I'm on to Angel. Well, I don't know if you're superhero phobic or whatever, but Yas Whedon wrote and directed the Avengers, oh, so I think yeah, you should probably get around to that at some point. Yeah, maybe. Um, it's... It's pretty good. I mean, I think that the hype is somewhat warranted, but we're not here to talk about that. I think that what that illustrates, though, is just sort of the level of nerd love that that, that, that Yas Whedon has around yeah. him. Yeah. And this movie, I'm going to call it, kind of exploits that. It's full of people from the Whedonverse. Yeah. And it's got all of the tropes that he has. And that there's, there's the Yas Whedon one-liners that are almost obvious and on the nose, but he can sort of somehow pull them off. Yeah. And there's the humor that's based on awkwardness that almost is so bad that you want to look away, but they somehow keep you looking. Yeah. And there's this thing that I have noticed in the trajectory of being a Yas Whedon fan, where romance is doomed. Any good relationship in any Yas Whedon universe is obliterated. Completely and totally. Yeah. And all of these things hold true, spoilers, <laughs> for Dr. Horrible. Yeah. So it is a nerdgasm, and it is full of people I love, and it's made by people I love. Uh, <laughs> so the review here is going to be positive. Yeah. But as a general consumer, as, as somebody who didn't have this pre-existing love and grip, you know, in, in the Whedonverse, mm -hmm. as it has come to be mm -hmm. called, I wonder what, what someone who's not in that would make of this. Yeah, I don't know. This, the thing about Joss Whedon is he's got an underlying intelligence to what he does. It's not like taking Buffy, for example, mm -hmm. there is like whole groups that would meet and discuss the philosophical undertones, undertones yeah. to every episode. Like that's the kind of, that's the kind of show that Roseanne aside, <laughs> but that's the kind of show that he does, which is, that's my kind of show. Yeah. Yeah. This was great, but I will say one negative thing about him is that he does typically cast the same people over and over and over and over. He seems to have over. his crew that he likes. He likes yeah. the same people. He likes his buds. Yeah. Well, there's a story told about this that uh, Nathan Fillion got a phone call direct from Yas. Mm -hmm. His name came up on the phone and he answered the phone because he hadn't heard from Yas for a while saying yes. Yeah. Oh. Like, he just Done. answered the phone saying yes. Done. Whatever it is that you're calling me about, yes. Perfect. <laughs> so, Perfect. Yeah. I respect this. Yeah, who know? would not want to work with him? He's brilliant. Like <laughs> Nathan Fillion, who, I, again, I, I, I tipped my bias for. I just think he's <laughs> hilarious in this movie. Yeah. He plays Captain Hammer. Mm -hmm. Interestingly, this is not the first time he's been asked to play a ridiculous superhero in a ridiculous yep. outfit. If you've seen a bizarre but wonderful movie called Super... He plays this uh, superhero figure who is sort of like a representative of the Christian right. 
Uh, and just it's just bizarre that he's played two characters that are so similarly but so bizarre. <laughs> like, <laughs> but that's like hats off to him then. Like, yeah, exactly. You know, he doesn't take himself too seriously, which is great, and totally commits. <laughs> he has no problem putting on tights and delivering lines like saying, Absolutely. "The hammer is my penis," <laughs> <There> you, <go. laughs> you know, exactly. with dignity and a plum. Yes. You know, yeah. like yeah. That's so we haven't really talked about the plot. Mm-hmm. It's kind of tricky. <laughs> a little bit tricky. Yeah. Uh, Neil Patrick Harris is Dr. Horrible, and as the title suggests, he has a video blog. Yes. Now, it's not a blog that you sing along with. That part of the title is just an outright lie. <laughs> totally. <laughs> but yeah. it's where he sort of shares his thoughts and about his journey to be a diabolical supervillain of some yes. kind. We also get the feeling like, as much as he wants to be a supervillain, his heart isn't, at least initially, all about evil things. He doesn't want to turn the world to, like, uh, a lifeless cell. He doesn't, no. you know, want to control. He doesn't hunger for power and control, necessarily. He thinks he, he's like this little kid energy. He just likes the idea of being a <laughs> of super being a villain. villain. Yes. He also yeah. has this super cynical perspective on life. Now, the Felicia Day character, who he counterintuitively falls in love with, is the eternal optimist, whereas yeah. he sees nothing but darkness and, yeah. and, and things that need to be punished. She sees nothing but light and goodness, and that she's going to be a force of good that's going to fix the world, and she helps the homeless, and blah, she blah, does. blah. Penny. And Penny, thank yes. you. So in he's trying to pursue Penny, but his nemesis, Captain Hammer, not only keeps foiling his plans and his attempts to get into the evil uh, supervillain organization, Yeah. But he also starts dating Penny. He steals the girl. And this is the thing. That's right. This is the catalyst that makes Dr. Horrible into a true villain. Oh. I think. Now, this is me putting okay. my coat of paint on it. Okay. So I apologize if I was like de- de- declaring that as a state of fact. <laughs> um, all of this story is being told. Yeah. Catchy music numbers. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> and the typical Yas Whedon zingers with the Yas Whedon cast. Yes. Um, and I think it works well enough. Yeah. But I think it's specifically for you and I. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I think, I think that the Maybe. audience for this might be surprisingly, well, a lot more <laughs> narrow than, say, The Avengers. Oh, or sure. even Buffy the Vampire. Sure, yeah. So, uh, is that a call against it? Kind of. But if you are into the, you know, Whedonverse, yeah. then... This review is pointless because you've already seen it and you like it. <laughs> yes, yes. And it, I mean, it's not a musical in the musical, not atypical is sense yeah. of the word. Um, but yeah, th- some of the songs are freaking hilarious. Mm-hmm. Some of them are ridiculous. It's, but it fits completely with the story. It's not just willy-nilly singing. And it's not the singing that stops the show. No. A lot of the times with, well, I'm not a big musical fan cards on the table. Yes. But the musicals I like tend to be funny, so yeah. hooray for this. Super. Uh, but even in funny or not, the yeah. songs need to push plot for me. If yeah. everything stops so that we can sing a song, yeah. I, my ass gets restless. I exactly. don't know what it is, but it just happens. Yeah. Even if it's a good song, yeah. I just like, I'm a story guy. Yes. So I like after that song to be able to have learned something. Exactly. Which you uh, do. Which you do with this. With like, every yeah. song. Yeah. Yeah. Also, even... interestingly enough, you can listen to a commentary track. Oh, really? Into which they sing the commentary. It is called oh. Commentary the Musical. Oh, There's a funny. song on there written by Yas Whedon about the overabundance of special features. Nice. And how uh, 
you know, certain artists feel the need to over-explain their art, and in some way you should just let the art stand. It's the other people's job to decide it. Yes. All in song, all in the commentary. It's hilarious. Which just speaks to the brilliance <laughs> yes. of Joss Whedon. There's great layers to it, really? absolutely. And I'm just going to say, I think I agree with you, or I think I disagree with you. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think it's when Penny starts dating the Hammer. Mm -hmm. I think it's her death that actually spurs him into true evilness mm -hmm. because I kind of feel like Penny is his alter ego. You know, he's, he's on this fine line mm -hmm. and then he sees the light and then that's totally ripped away, taken away and darkness is left. Originally his stated goal is to be part of this great evil organization, but I think his true goal is to be with Penny. Of course. Yeah. And I think yeah. in losing Penny, you know, he can then, you know, take credit for killing Captain Hanger, a Hammer and yeah. uh, get what he supposedly wanted at the cost of both who he originally was, mm -hmm. which was a person who liked the idea of being a villain, but actually had a moral compass Yeah. to a person who has no moral compass no. because the love in his life has been extinguished. The light is gone. Yeah. Alter ego. Now, that doesn't sound like funny, right? No, but it is. <laughs> it is. But I gotta say, like, this, this thing with Joss Whedon, uh, where no good relationships last, is mm -hmm. really an interesting thread through his work, because it is everywhere. Leak. There's everywhere. no happy romantic ending ever in Joss Whedon's work. No. I find that interesting. Yeah. Especially even in something as short and silly as Dr. Horrible Sing Along Vlog. They, yeah. There's something weird about the fact that it goes so dark at the end. I still like it. I don't think it's, yeah. it's bad necessarily. In fact, it's kind of interesting. Uh, but it, It's kind of more reflective of actual life though. Like, yeah. you know, finding, finding your own personal happy ending. You know, people, that's what they do. They pick things apart and they find fault with things. It's like you were saying earlier, the grass is greener. Yeah. It's a human flaw. It's, it's inevitable. And I think Joss's take on movie making kind of speaks more truthfully than your typical Hollywood, everything's great in the end. Mm -hmm. Well, and he just, it seems to be against his instincts. Even if things work out at the end, it's at great mm -hmm. cost. Yeah. Somebody is shattered yeah. at the end of uh, like yeah. any given any any accomplishment costs yeah it's just interesting that he always goes there again I, I don't even know if i'm saying it in a critical way it's just in, something that i occurred to me even in this all of the uh sweden things that we've yeah. come to expect are, are ticked off all those boxes are hit it's just an is thing with him yeah it's not bad it's not good it's yeah. it's an is thing i think that captain hammer going back to nathan fillion kind of record represents arrogance and celebrity Mm -hmm. And the sort of kind of well, yeah, but the corruptibility <laughs> of that. Yeah, he is our superhero. He should be representing the good. And mm -hmm. the deeper we get into this story, the more he is actually the villain. He actually earns like when he the idea of him being exploded trying to use the the device mm -hmm. is not a devastating blow to all of us. No. Like, <laughs> no. <laughs> we're 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 more on Doctor Horrible's side we despite are. his name. Yeah, he's a he's a more likable person because of that morality so what i'm going to say and what i worry about this being sort of a, a thing that may sink the well I, we probably already aren't matching because of land of the loss is that i think it's good i think it's fun but i don't think it's going to rank as high on the list as maybe you're going to think it belongs because maybe it's just we shall see won't we yes we shall see mm -hmm. it's it's like it's a 
something that's just made very specifically for a specific group of people to just savor and enjoy. And yes. those people will savor and enjoy it. Yes, I they think will. the rest of the people yeah. are just going to be perplexed. <laughs> yeah, okay. I actually agree with you on that. I think there's a select group of individuals that would yeah. enjoy this. And it's definitely not for mass consumption. Yeah. Yeah. I'm recommending this movie. Yes. If you think that this is a movie you will like, it is. It is. I have everyone's attention, please. Okay, you know your kid won the goldfish in that little baggie from the school fair and you didn't want that nasty thing in your house so you flush it down the toilet? <laughs> well, this is what happens. I am getting too old for this. I can only imagine how you feel. I promise you the secrets of the universe, nothing more. So there's some secrets out there that the universe don't know about? K! K! There is no K. He's been dead for over 40 years. What? Somehow history has been rewritten. There has to be a reason this is happening, and Kay seems to be at the center of it. You're gonna send me back to 1969. First, we gotta get high. My man, for real? No, I mean really high. All you gotta do is jump. You've got 24 hours. After that, there is no coming back. Kay? How do you know my name? I'm an agent of Men in Black, but I'm from the future. We're partners. Okay, future man, where to? First of all, I'm gonna need my gun. No, no, no. Okay, so Barry Sonnenfeld is a very successful director in Hollywood. I mean, he's had a share of bombs. He directed Wild Wild West. I say with some embarrassment. But before he turned to directing, his big debut were the two Adams Family movies in the early 90s. Yep. He was a cinematographer for a couple of filmmakers named Joel and Ethan Cohen. Ooh. <laughs> the Cohen brothers. What? Who I am a gargantuan fan of. So even before he was in the director, I was aware of Barry Sonnenfeld's work. And when okay. I heard that he was switching over to the directing field, I, I kept an eye on him. And I actually do think that the Adams Family movies are quite brilliantly rendered and superficially enjoyable. They're not amazing, but they're, they're fun. But I think he really hit his sort of home run when he came out with Men in Black. Absolutely. Which was this monster hit, and it was, had wide appeal. Yeah. Uh, Will Smith was as popular as he was ever going to be, yeah. and uh, it was the right time, right place for that movie, and it was great. It was followed a few years later by Men in Black 2, which to my mind was just shockingly disappointing. So disappointing. And then almost ten years subsequent to that... Yeah. Sonnenfeld returns with Tommy Lee Jones with Will Smith mm -hmm. to put the black suit back on again. Yeah. And I'm happy to report that I think it's somewhat of a return to form. And uh, am I? Um, that's, I mean, it's, it, it probably falls short of perfect, and I would still say that I think maybe the first film is probably the best of the series. Mm -hmm. But as far as taking the, the series in an interesting direction, showing us new lights on characters that we knew, mm -hmm. um, it works very well. Yeah. And I think the ace in the hole here, and one of the things that was sort of hit me in the soft spot, was the casting of Jermaine Clement yes. from Flight of the Concords yes. <laughs> to, to play the movie's villain. Now, yeah. 
I think that Jermaine Clement is just like inherently hilarious. Like everything he does just yeah. uh, puts a smile on my face right away. Yeah. I don't know what it is about this weird Kiwi humor. I have had, like I was talking about with Land of the Lost, the experience of recommending yeah. Flight of the Concords to people and yeah. people saying, what in the world are you talking about? That was just, a, I was embarrassed for myself <laughs> for watching it. But I think the Concords are brilliant. And I love that they, that, you know, made that casting choice. Yes. Uh, and I've just, uh, I've heard rumors that they are touring again next yeah. year. Uh, yes. Word on the street is we may have a Fight of the Concords movie at some point. And also, if you're into the Concords, and I know we're off topic, but I'm saying yeah. this to you and to the listeners, okay. what we do in the shadows. New Zealand film has two-thirds of the Concords in it, mm-hmm. good times. Mm-hmm. Anyway, let's talk about Men in Black 3, because okay. I do yeah. think it's also a very good movie. Me too. And it's not just because of Jermaine Clement, but uh, no. like I say, that hit my sweet spot. Yes. <laughs> so, yes. Um, what we have here is one of these convoluted science fiction plots, which involves time travel. Yep. Which is like a really tiresome thing. I mean, if I was put in charge of reinventing the Star Trek universe, my first rule would be... No, no fucking time travel. Time travel. <laughs> okay. Just, yeah. it's done. Slam the books closed on that, right? <laughs> so, However. But for, for this movie, for Men in yeah. Black, I'm glad that they did. Me too. And for yeah. the main reason is is that they, the casting of Josh Brolin as brilliant young, choice. young Agent K. Yeah, brilliant. I kind of get the feeling like Tommy Lee Jones is a bit of a curmudgeon. I don't think this is a controversial thing that I'm saying. Watch any of <laughs> right. his interviews. There's yeah. brilliant footage of him at an awards show where everybody's laughing and clapping at the monologue, and the cameras just couldn't help but going to Resting Tommy Lee Jones face. because he just had standing bitch face. Like, yeah. he just could not fucking yeah. even give any fucks no. about being in this place, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I don't think he doesn't have fun doing them or he doesn't see the value of them, but yeah. I don't think he builds his life about the next... Men in Black no, movie, right? No. Uh, so he's actually kind of in the movie very minimally. We get Tommy Lee Jones at the beginning and at the end. Yeah. And then we get Tommy Lee Jones as interpreted by Josh Brolin mm-hmm. to the middle section of the movie. Yeah. Which finds Will Smith back in time in the 60s. A very different political and climate for, for race for relationships Smith, yes. and whatnot. <laughs> yeah. And we kind of see a further origin where we a little bit understand a little bit more why Kay was so interested in recruiting yeah. him. So yeah. it, it takes us full circle back to the beginning of Men in Black. Mm-hmm. And uh, in a way that if this movie had tanked and it was going to be the last Men in Black, which it may be still, mm-hmm. uh, at least it ends on a, on a good note. Really good note. If things had ended yeah. with Men in Black 2, my face would be a little bit sour. Yeah, no, that was, a, that was seriously a disappointment, Men in Black 2. Yeah. But yeah, 3... Redemption. Yeah. So, yeah, I think I've made my opinion clear. I'm, I'm fine about it. The time travel doesn't get too convoluted. I don't find myself asking questions about, oh, if he crushes a rose here, or is everybody going to have rabbit ears in the future? Yeah. <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. I, I was able to not be distracted by that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I found it to be a good time. What yeah. did you think of Man in Black? I thought it was a really great movie. Like, every time... I've seen this numerous times as well, because mm-hmm. they're like, Jermaine, mm-hmm. come on, it's Jermaine, <laughs> you can't lose there, he was freaking brilliant choice, absolutely brilliant choice, and, but when I first saw this, I didn't realize that it was him. Oh, really? Yeah, somebody <laughs> told me just like a few months ago, even, that 
It was Jermaine Clement. Well, he does have glasses kind of bolted into his face. You he don't does. get to see his eyes for the movie, which is a real impediment for an actor in a lot yeah. of ways. Yeah. But uh, the special effects help him out in that Very respect. Very much. Very much. Yeah. And yeah. And again, Josh Brolin, perfect choice mm-hmm. for a young for a young K. And yeah, I don't know. I love. I liked. I have liked their dynamic. Despite the fact that Men in Black 2 was pretty sucky, mm-hmm. I still enjoyed K and J's dynamic. Yeah. It still works. It I was still surprised works. that like emotionally it kinda resonated at the end yeah. when, when Tommy Lee Jones sort of acknowledges, Yeah, I, I've known you since you were a kid and yeah, I recruited you because of that and yeah, I haven't mentioned it until now and yeah, I kinda love you, but let's just yeah. be cool about it. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> in typical <laughs> Tommy style. But there's genuine aw shucks to that in yeah. a way that would probably make Tommy Lee Jones vomit in a, into a bag, <laughs> right? There you go. I bet Tommy Lee Jones in person is just like super wry, just hilarious. I I don't know. I kind of get the impression that he's a funny freaking guy, but I he hope does so. it like I hope super so. slickly and like just slides things right under the carpet so you don't actually know. <laughs> he's got he's got such a great mug on him. You feel he like does. he's he's lived a life and don't. Yeah. Put in some hard miles. Yeah. <laughs> so if um, he wants to be a curmudgeon, I guess he's earned it. He's earned it. Uh, I was talking yeah. about uh, Will Ferrell's ability to be completely ridiculous and somehow retain his dignity. Mm-hmm. I think that Tommy Lee Jones accomplishes things throughout all the Men in Black movies about... Well, we were talking about the underreaction or anything. The, the, the perpetual unfazability. Yeah. That by three movies should no longer be funny, but is still, still is. totally funny. It still is, yeah. And they pass the yeah. reins from Rip Torn to Emma Thompson. Yeah. If you can have Emma Thompson in your movie, for God's sake, put Emma Thompson Absolutely in your movie, right? right? Yeah. And uh, she does the exact same shtick. I'm sure she just watched the first two Men in Black movies and said, <laughs> me too. <laughs> yeah. she, just, she doesn't have a lot to do in the movie, but I'm just so pleased that she's yeah, or Zed's uh, going away speech yeah. or his uh, eulogy. His eulogy, fantastic, yeah. absolutely fantastic, and both from from Emma Thompson and Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah, both of their eulogies yeah. were just fantastic. I thought that Emma Thompson's corollary in the past didn't quite mm-hmm. immediately match to her as well. Like I didn't immediately see her and say, "Oh, Emma Thompson," in the yeah. way that I saw Josh Brolin the first time he opens his mouth. You're like, "Holy shit!" Dude. Yeah, yeah, totally. I'm also overlooking this interesting, kind of fascinating character, actually played by Michael Schulberg, mm-hmm. who's this alien creature, the last of his Unicorn race. Man he, or he, he sort of experiences every sort of dimension and level of possibility of life simultaneously. Yeah. So whereas in our life we make one choice and that leads us down one path, but he sees all of our options. If we'd have done point A, point B, point C, or if we just decided to sit and wait it out. Uh, he sees it all simultaneously. And uh, it's an interesting character because he understands the stakes of everything and uh, he sees the future which could be super happy while simultaneously seeing a future that could be super devastating. As well as many other things. As well as many other things. Yeah. And uh, it's a weird, like, from an acting perspective, I don't know how you would begin to approach this. And Michael Schulberg's a really interesting actor. He kind of... uh, he was recruited from the stage, but he was popularized once again by my brother's Cohen mm-hmm. from a movie called The Serious Man, mm-hmm. which is very interesting. So yeah, a lot of great science fiction concepts. I don't think they reinvented the wheel. I mean, I think we've seen variants of this story before, but sure. the ingredients are rich. 
And it's such a welcome return to the Men in Black universe. It is. They really needed to pick it up again. And I as well am very glad that they didn't leave it at number two because number two was a letdown. And they took their time with it. Like There was like almost a ten year gap between them. Thing with Men in Black too, and I know we're not talking about it, is like it, it seemed like the classic sort of '80s sequel, where they were like, "What worked in the first movie? Let's do it again." Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. this movie, like, it took the elements and the dynamic, the character dynamic we we know, and sort of like the the type of humor and the world, and just gave it a wrinkle, gave it a spin, yeah. gave us more information. Mm-hmm. We don't learn anything more about any of our characters in the second movie. None. And uh, not even a little. Yeah. Yeah. The the third movie really pushes them forward. So it does. for me, that's a big win. That's a super <laughs> if big you're win. if you're a franchise, I think that yeah, you want to try and top yourself. But more than that, I think you want to keep adding something new. If you do another installment or another episode without any new information or new mm. wrinkle or new development coming, be that, you know, adding or subtracting a character or changing the dynamics some in any way, you know. Yeah. You know. You do a Men in Black album that takes place off of Earth, maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, there's there's just diff- different options that they could approach. So, yeah. uh, Men in... It's interesting. It's like a lesson. Men in Black 2 and 3 are sort of, this is how not to do a sequel, and this is how to do it. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to say about Men in Black 3? Did I bowl over you again? I uh, no, I think you pretty much hit it as well, and I agree with the whole... They did the time travel three thing which has been done but they they didn't focus on the little bits yeah and Andy Warhol mm-hmm. that was funny <laughs> of course Andy Warhol was Andy a cover of course yeah yeah good time. I mean I think that savvy sci-fi people will see where the story's going I yeah. think that there's elements of the script that are intended to be gotcha that if you're maybe not familiar with science fiction will work as gotchas but if not mm-hmm. You won't, the surprise may not hit, but yeah. it's not going to necessarily affect your enjoyment of it. No, and this is one of those movies, though, that, like, even if you're not into sci-fi, you would enjoy this movie. Yeah, oh, and that's what they were designed for. Yeah. Men in Black was meant to is appeal to a broad an audience as possible. And usually I find those movies type of, kind of bland, mm-hmm. which is why I sort of treasure the Men in Black yeah. franchise. And I'm so happy to see it Absolutely. in the right direction again. You bet. so much for coming here yet again i always love having you as a guest here our rank and review champion um we are now here to discuss the (laughs) ranking of these six genre comedies yes we are (laughs) i have this feeling like we're going to agree on the bottom of the list Uh uh-huh but uh with uh with those chips out of the bag uh What was your least favorite of these six movies and why? My least favorite was Club Dread. Yeah. Um, yeah, and as I stated before, all of these characters were horrible. They were all horrible. They all deserved to die. Every single one of them. Even those who didn't die probably should have died. 
they were just horrible people. Yeah. Not, not, there's no real redeeming, saving grace to any part of this movie for me. And, um, I was looking at my notes just now. Okay. And my last note on, on my little page here is, I quote, Larry, you suck. (laughs) (laughs) So... Yes, that is my uh, plug dread. Oh, right. Yeah. So. I, I take no responsibility for the film itself. I'm happy to say I had nothing to do with the writing or production of you that. You gave me this, though. <laughs> you chose the you list. You intentionally put this in my hand. You chose the list. I did choose the list. Par- partial responsibility. Partial awareness. All right. So that's done. It's done and over with. I will never watch that movie again. Ever. Ever. Burn it. <laughs> Um, I, I do believe, uh, episode 57, you had a big squishing of a <laughs> CD. Destruction. I vote that. for that to happen <laughs> with this we, one. We have a sacrifice of dark things and yeah. just obliterated <laughs> and just Done. destroy all record of its existence. Uh, I'm getting you. Wipe it. Okay, so the next two, uh, number five and four, I really, really debated about. Okay. Um... But second from last, I'm going to put Hitchhiker's Guide. Mostly because, as you and I were both saying before, there really was no emotional tie to this. Um, I didn't laugh once, which was, you know, unfortunate, because I think it was supposed to be funny. And I generally really like British things. Yeah. So it was a little disappointing. Um, Alan Rickman, little guy. I just kind of found him a little bit annoying and... Marvin. Marvin. Yeah, I just kind of, you know, wanted him to stop. Yeah. You know. His role was to complain. It was to complain. <laughs> absolutely. And yes, he did. He did. He, <laughs> he did what was asked of him. He did complain. Um, yeah, I mean, visually, this was, this was great-ish. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, nothing super stood out for me with this one. You just come out wanting more. Somehow you want more. Something. And and yeah, really difficult to put your finger on exactly what it was. Yeah. Maybe it was Zoe Deschanel. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure. (laughs) It might be. Okay, so um, I guess number four, I put Land of the Lost. Um, Not because of Will Ferrell, because, you know, I kind of think he's a tool. No offense. <laughs> uh, I'm not offended. He might yeah. be. But <laughs> um, I don't know. I assume Will Ferrell listens to the podcast. Yeah. But uh, Danny McBride, I also did enjoy quite a bit. Um, and I, I breathe heavily out of my nose. <laughs> that happened. And that happened. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> exactly. So that well, was... Uh, I know if I ever get you to breathe heavily out of your nose <laughs> that I have really accomplished something. You have accomplished a feat. <laughs> Seriously. Um, and yeah, I mean, the dinosaur, the dinosaurs I thought were really well done and a lot of the scenery really, really well done. And, um, although the monkey guy was seriously freaking annoying yeah. and that's why I debated putting this even lower. Yeah. He was my least favorite part of the, the oh, show. I will admit freaking that. Annoying. Yeah. Yeah. A little shit. Seriously. <laughs> and he's a prince who happens to have very human looking females and yeah. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> At any rate, um, so right in the middle, um, and as much as I loved it, I put Dr. Horrible because I happen to love the other two more. Right. Um, but Dr. Horrible is, 
I love this movie. Mm-hmm. I love this movie, and I've I've seen it more than a few times, and will probably see it more than a few times again. I had the sensation while I was watching this, and I, I don't know what that says about me or my perception of you, but <laughs> I kind of felt like this was a movie designed to please Karen. <laughs> it really was. It really was. It did please me. <laughs> I was mighty pleased. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I like that, and I think, um, and again, I would kind of like Joss Whedon to mix it up a little in terms of casting, but the casts work right. for him. Like, every person that he's cast in anything that he's done works really, really well. Yeah. Highly recommend this movie. Like it a lot. Right. Okay. Fifth, and again, I had so much trouble. Top two was tricky for you? Super tricky. Um, but fifth? Or second place. Second place. Second place. Men in Black 3. Um, there's really not a bad thing that I can say about this movie. I... Jermaine! Jermaine! I love Jermaine! <laughs> uh, yeah, I thought it was really well done. And again, super redemptive for these guys. I'm... Yeah. It's, it's always good to say good things about a movie that has the number three at the end of it. You know, yes. you always have low expectations it's a rarity. for three, right? You have low... I have low expectations for anything other than the original. It's, right. There are some, and I can't really name them, but I have one in my head. Mm-hmm. I just can't think of the name. But where the second one was actually remarkably better mm-hmm. than the first one. It happens. Rarity. It happens, though. There are the odd Empire Strikes Back out there. There are. There are. Thank you, Larry. (laughs) That's what I'm here for. (laughs) There you go. Okay, and yeah, so number one, then, is Galaxy Quest, because, yeah, I've seen this movie numerous times, and whenever I see it, I still laugh. It still makes me freaking chuckle every single time, and more than strong air through my nose. (laughs) I actually laugh out loud with this, and I think everybody is exceptionally well cast. Yeah. The aliens, I love them so much. Yeah. They could have their own TV show. You don't even need the rest of the cast. You don't need any of them. Yeah, absolutely. I would watch the the ins and outs of the daily lives of those guys. Absolutely. Yeah, and I even liked, like, um, especially the the Mm hat-tipping to Star Trek. And, And when... Tim Allen is on the rock planet, no shirt on, fighting the beast. Of course. Of course he is. Are you kidding? Yeah. And Alan Rickman's, like, complete disdain for his character's catchphrase. Yeah. I love that. Yep. Yeah. It makes me laugh, and that's why that one is number one. Very good. See, when we came in to do this rank, I was, like, I was pretty much convinced that you're going to put Dr. Horrible in first place. Uh, but you didn't. You put didn't. it in third. Yeah. And consequently, you just won. I can <gasps> oh, score! <laughs> oh my god, that's fantastic. Karen, you magnificent You guys bastards. can all suck it. Oh, my fellow podcasters. You magnificent Wow, that is you awesome. Happy! <laughs> like, that's fantastic. I'll go through it really briefly just because, but like... Yeah, Club Dread's at the bottom. Oh, God. <laughs> Here's the thing. Yeah. It was a murder mystery. And a lot of times with murder mysteries, I can't help it. Like, I try yeah. to crack the code. I cared so little <laughs> that I didn't even bother trying. No. Like, I'm no. sure I could have made it even lamer for myself and figured out who the killer was before the end. Yeah. I did not care. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, absolutely. 
it really kills me to put Hitchhikers in fifth, oh, but it's yeah. where it belongs as far it as is. my enjoyment level watching the yeah. movie. Yeah. It's like, it, it makes me just want to read the book. And yeah. for me, that's not a full endorsement. But hmm. I think that if you're a little bit into science fiction, it's worth a look at some point. Just yeah. don't make a priority of it. Yeah. Land of the Lost is a guilty pleasure. It's yeah. guilty pleasure, so it's on the bottom half of the list. There you go. I say that people may well not like it as much as I do, but every now and then I just get an image of Will Ferrell putting dinosaur piss on himself and it makes me laugh. I don't know what that says about The fact me. that it makes you laugh makes me laugh. But there you go. See, you're enjoying the movie more just through... <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog. Some may be miffed that this is not a movie. It's not a feature-length thing. But it's got enough ideas for three different movies. Yeah. And I like Yas Whedon, so yeah. I went with it. The only... It just... Maybe if it was a feature, I would put it at the top of the list. But for some reason, it just seemed like it belonged in third place. Yeah. Men in Black 3 redeemed the franchise, as far as yeah. I'm concerned. And I'm entirely <laughs> grateful for that. And Barry Sonnenfeld is a guy that his career I've been following since... I watched Miller's Crossing when I was a kid. Yeah. Because I thought the cinematography in that movie was crazy. Beautiful. Before I even knew what cinematography there was. <laughs> so yeah. I go in with a personal bias with Barry Sonnenfeld. But yeah, to my great surprise and pleasure, I will put Galaxy Quest at the top of this list. I nice. think that it's, in a way, the more obvious crowd pleaser of the bunch. Yeah. And if you'd listen to a lot of my other podcasts, maybe you would guess that I would dismiss Galaxy Quest. But I do not. And on this occasion, the 63rd episode of Rank and Review, <laughs> Karen Geezy and I once again go six for six. 60 episodes after my original win. You know oh. how unprepared I am for this is I actually don't have a prize to give you Damn at this it. moment. But I will give you a prize. It will happen. I just... I'll... I'll, I'll. All right. All right. I gotta make it worthy. And um, in deference to my fellow podcasting guests, mm -hmm. I will change my reaction and say, yay, I hope that everybody else can have a win to know what it feels like. <laughs> how about that? I don't know how better way to end the episode. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Two-time rank and review yeah. champion, Karen Giese. I, I'm so glad that somebody finally <laughs> won again. Like, I, I, I didn't want you to lose your championship, yeah. but in... in Getting into the 60th episodes, I was Seriously, like, right? somebody needed to win. Somebody so, needed to win. Somebody won. And I'm so happy it's me. No I'm offense. so happy it's you. <laughs> Whatever, screw that. There's some dude in Toronto right now <laughs> listening to this who's not as happy about it. <laughs>
Find the show on Facebook. Find the show on iTunes. Please spread the word on Rank and Review. I would love to get more people listening to the show. I would love to get more feedback. I'm really enjoying doing the podcast, and I, I think the only thing that would enhance it is knowing that there was more people out there enjoying it. So, thank you guys for listening to episode 63 of Rank and Review. And we'll talk to you soon.